0: Davidson's has two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch. They are locally owned, and they have a massive selection to get anything you may need to get yourself through quarantine. Maybe it's Breck Brews. Maybe it's that new Breck Brew Mountain Beach, which I had for the first time last night. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But make sure you check out Davidson's. Supporting them is supporting us, and we would really appreciate it if you made them your home for all of your beer, wine, and spirits needs. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver online. MSU Denver online gives you a chance to get that degree right from the comfort of your own home. Stay in quarantine, get learned up a little bit, and get yourself a degree from MSU Denver online. Hit them up at msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. We're talking 40 plus classes online, uh, you know, all sorts of different things you can do to further your education so never a better time than now to get in on msu denver online let's get learned up let's get learned up maybe if you go there you won't say things like learned up (laughs) Um,
1: it's 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 like kind of like a mix of what you do on a friday night plus learning
0: yeah get turned up Uh. (laughs) don't don't get turned up get learned up
1: (laughs) there we go all
0: right um speaking of up yesterday in the dnvr draft episode two we had a similar scenario play out even though we ended up you know drafting different players at different spots it still fell to a position where the Broncos only had one of the top tackles or top receivers left on the board. And wow, that's not the end of the world on paper. What if that's the guy that they don't like, you know? Um, you, uh, You can probably put it in Sharpie that they don't love all seven of those guys, all four tackles, all three wide receivers. They probably have some favorites and some least favorites, And so if Becton, who ended up being my pick there at 15, if Becton is your favorite, well, then you got nothing to worry about. But if for some reason he's your least favorite and you're stuck there, well, now you're in trouble. And, you know, like we've talked about on both drafts, you're probably in a trade back scenario if you had just waited and waited and waited. But the question that we keep posing is why not go up? Why not go up? And I think where we have discussed uh, the best place to trade up, get ahead of all the people, get your first choice most likely out of those guys. Maybe it's your second, maybe it's your third at the worst. But if you get up to eight with the Cardinals, who obviously already have a wide receiver, they probably would have been in play for the top wide receiver there if they didn't get DeAndre Hopkins. Um, That's the spot where you could go and – based on our two mocks, which are are just that, they're mocks. If you went there, then you're really going to have your pick of the litter. So what I wanted to talk about with you guys is what's it going to take? What would it take to get to eight? And then maybe we can work our way back to some of the teams behind the Cardinals that you could still work a deal with.
1: Well, I think the best place to start is the draft value chart and Mace is an expert with that, but pulling it up as well. uh, It's actually not as bad as you would think. So you could just package your first 15 and your second and should, according to the draft value chart, easily make that jump. And in fact, it would actually be a little bit bad of a deal for the Broncos to do that, but you could package two thirds and make that jump as well. To me, Two thirds and fifteen to make that jump, easy, easy. I'm doing it.
0: Yeah, for me, I think two thirds falls just slightly under. If you did your top two third round choices, I think it falls slightly under the fourteen hundred value on that uh, eighth pick, or at least based on the chart I was looking at. But even then, you know, maybe it's um, it's fourteen or fifteen, two thirds. And I don't know, maybe, uh, Vance Joseph in Arizona has put in the good word for Royce Freeman and they want him too. So, you know, maybe you can make it work or maybe they're just willing to take the deal because they want to stock up on second day draft picks. So, um, 14 and 46 or 15 and 46, eh, not in love with it. If you're able to find a way to keep that second round pick, which will just take a little bit more creativity, I'm all in.
2: Now going back to last year, uh, the difference between the 15th and 10th and 8th pick is 350 points but remember the broncos made a trade last year and moved down from 10 to 20 of course with the steelers the difference in that was 450 points now in terms of draft capital what the broncos got from the steelers uh basically a little more than countered that because they got the Steelers 52nd overall pick, which was 380 points and then got a third rounder. And let's just assume that it's an average third round pick, which is about pick 80 to 81. So what happened was the Broncos actually got, actually got back more in point value because that's about 510 points of difference at the steel that they got from the Steelers with the Steelers moving up 400 and 450 points. So that's something that you you do have to consider here, Ryan, as you kind of noted, that there may be a little bit of a premium here, and it may be a scenario where moving up to number eight, we'd like to think it would cost only third round picks, but it might be the second rounder that comes into play. Somebody said that, that's a great point there. And because the
1: Broncos are the team, that is, quote, desperate to make the move. You know that the Seahawks probably aren't desperate to move back, just like the Steelers were the ones that were desperate last year to jump up with the Broncos. What if it is a first and a second, 15 and 46? Are you guys doing that deal?
0: So on the surface, my first thought is I don't love the idea of giving away uh, my second-round pick. But then I think about this. You've got three-thirds. So just take two of those thirds later and move back into the second round. Now you go, you got number eight, you got a mid second round pick. You got a third round pick that to me. uh, And obviously there's no guarantees you can get something done in there, but if that's your plan, okay, well, we'll, we'll give them the second. We'll just go get another second later when someone's top target goes off the board or right in the mid forties, we jump in, offer them two thirds, They take it. We're back into the second round. Now we have one first, one second, one third. Like, it's all designed in the first place. Uh, And you got your top target, which maybe was Jerry Judy.
2: And and generally speaking, the premium that I kind of talked about with first-round picks, it drops in round two to where there becomes more equitable value. So let's just say you trade your first two second round – or first two third-round picks, pardon me – That's a total of 380 points of draft value. That is equivalent to the 52nd overall pick. And you
1: know who's picking 52nd? The Los Angeles Rams. The Rams, they need to acquire draft picks because they've pretty much given all of theirs away. I mean, boy, the, the way this sounds, it's coming together like a pretty good plan. It would make a lot of sense for kind of every team involved.
2: And the Rams right now, don't they have the 57th overall pick as well? They do. They're sitting on 52 and 57, so maybe... They could be enticed to add a couple of picks later, knowing that, hey, they're going to have a selection five picks later. They're still kind of the same thing we're talking about with the Broncos, making sure you have a second round pick. Well, they already have a second round pick. Right, exactly. So the Broncos, in this case, move up seven spots in
1: the first round, move down six spots in the second round, and still have one third round pick. Now, it is the last third round pick, but it's still a third round pick. To me, I mean, Ryan, like you said, this is how it's designed to be. You get one first, one second, one third. In the end, your third round pick's a lot lower than it probably should be because it's a comp pick. Your second round pick's a little bit lower. But your first round pick, the most valuable one, is almost twice as valuable because you just went from 15 to 8. So to me, that's a pretty darn good wash.
2: Okay, now the question is who do you want this to be at number 8? Because you're in the top 10, you've, you've – sacrificed a couple of day two picks on on a in a draft where day two has a lot of value you've sacrificed that to move up to eight you need a big time transformative player there and, and really really quick
1: before we we give our answers just just so i uh just so everyone knows how the draft shook out that we did picks one to six in each draft were the exact – or picks one to seven were the exact same players who went off the board. And those were guys that we really haven't talked about. Jeff Okuda going to the Broncos, Isaiah Simmons going to the Broncos, Tua, Joe Burrow going to the Broncos. So all of the wide receivers and tackles are still on the board when pick eight comes around.
0: And so for me, I wanted to – we talked about, you know, we should give them a name, you know, the, uh, the Magnificent Seven, the four tackles and the three wide receivers there's one one just one to me of that seven group of seven that is a sure thing and for me that's Jerry Judy he is the one guy in that seven that I don't think has I mean I, I think his bust factor is uh, under five percent in terms of my my view of Jerry Judy so for me that's the one you get you that you move up to that spot to take the risk out. And I think you take the risk out by getting Jerry Judy.
1: I completely agree. He, he has the lowest bus factor of really any college player uh, really ever. Uh, when you look at him, just because I think his floor is so incredibly high. And also he has a very high ceiling there. And Ryan, I completely agree with you. When I look at the, these, these group of seven guys, he's the one that sticks out. You know, he, he's the one that I think of first uh, at both tackle and wide receiver. And so it's, it it's obvious. It's clear to me. And so it does make, make sense moving up to eight so that you ensure, because it's not like we're saying uh, it's Jerry, Judy, and Tristan works. So those two guys stick out above the crowd. So maybe you can wait till 10. And if one of those guys goes off the board, you make the jump. No, it, since it's one guy, it does make sense to jump to eight.
2: Yeah, I would do it for Judy, but I have a sense that if the Broncos did make a deal like this, it would be Henry Ruggs. Mm. That's special speed. I,
0: again, if that's the case, if they did that move, I, I still wouldn't uh, go after them and say it was a bad idea. They they had a guy in mind. They said, this is our guy. We got to go get him. And and obviously, I think the three of us all really like Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, it, you know, the, the ceiling there is Tyreek Hill. Uh, Andre interestingly enough even though cd lamb is his favorite he believes that rugs has the highest ceiling so if if you are able to uncork that tyree kill potential well then you have just you've just done it you know and especially with the whole conversation that we've had a million times that you gotta find a way to to go toe-to-toe with the chiefs well your your defense is ready to compete with their defense um Adding someone like that on offense would, would I think, uh, be a, a great step in the right direction. Obviously, in the end, it's going to come down to Drew Locke. But putting together that speed, the combination – I mean, you go Henry Ruggs, and let's say he reaches his potential. Uh, Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant, like now you've got it. You've got that unguardable group of guys.
1: Yep, you're exactly right. Now, let's say that the Broncos don't want to move up to eight. Um, nine, they, they, they could make a move with the Jaguars there as well. The Browns, I think, is also a team at 10 that they could make a move, and that would cost you uh, your your um, first third-round pick and your fourth-round pick. So you still have two-thirds, you still have your second Does that seem way more enticing? Just just wait, hold back? Because, I mean, we did just make a case for Henry Ruggs. And, of course, I'd be thrilled if the Broncos ended up with Henry Ruggs. In fact, I'd be thrilled if the Broncos ended up with Henry Ruggs at 10 uh, and they're without their first third-round pick and they're without their fourth-round pick. Personally, I love that. So if Jerry Judy goes off the board at 9 and then you're like, okay, well, we can't mess around anymore. We need one of these Bama receivers. Trade up to 10. You guys okay with that too?
2: Yeah, I'd be okay with that. In that case, though, it's also too bad that you, uh, you already traded Andy Janovich because you could have used Jano as the throw-in there.
1: <laughs> he certainly could have. Well, maybe that's some goodwill that you've already opened the door there.
2: Yeah, maybe it's like one of those uh, deals you make with the 49ers where there's a little bit of a makeup at some point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll take Dakota Watson. Yeah,
0: they said, we'll, we'll give you Jano for a seventh. But if number 10 comes up and your guy isn't there, gotta give us a good deal
1: (laughs) yeah
0: um yeah so one thing that i learned through these mock draft exercises which have been really fun is that you could almost be anywhere but 15 and be okay like 15 is unfortunately the one spot where you have a chance to be to have your hands tied now we we we've used we've used the term nightmare scenario it actually isn't a full nightmare because both times beckton has been on the board so one of the seven has been on the board and the true nightmare is that all seven are gone and now you're in big trouble but um i think if you just got up to 13 you'd be okay you you're going to get one one of the guys that you really like so to get up to 10 to me, you're going to have at least three of the guys that you really like there. Um, and if you even just get up to 13 with the 49ers, which I think would be an easy move, uh, unless I think yesterday C.D. Lamb was on the board for them there. And like Andre said, that's almost a cheat code putting him in that offense. So uh, unless something like that is to happen, then maybe they don't want to trade. But I think you have a good chance of trading up with them there and just making sure That six guys don't go right in front of you.
1: Well, here's the thing. If you trade up to 10, you are pretty much guaranteed to get one of the wide receivers or one of the tackles. If you trade up to 13, you're pretty much guaranteed to get just one, either the tackle that you want or a wide receiver that you want. It doesn't seem like the way our drafts have fallen. It doesn't seem like both of those guys, a tackle and a wide receiver are going to be there at 13. So if you want your pick of the litter, a tackle, or a wide receiver, got to jump to 10 because I personally don't think the Jets are trading with the Broncos at 11. I personally don't think the Raiders are trading with the Broncos at 12. And I definitely think that the 49ers would trade with the Broncos, but not if CeeDee Lamb's on the board. I think if CeeDee Lamb's on the board there, the 49ers are saying, oh, we're we're not letting him slip any further. Um, It would take the Broncos about their last third-round pick – To move up to 13, to me, that's easy to do if your guy's there, but let's say the draft fell the way it did the first time we did it and the 49ers are sitting there. You have Javon Kinlaw on the board and Andrew Thomas. Javon Kinlaw ended up being the pick and, and I'm sure they'd be thrilled with that, but there's a very good chance that Javon Kinlaw could be there at 15 for them and they get an extra third round pick, which is something they desperately need. And Andrew Thomas is there and in our mock, That the very first time, Andrew Thomas was picked by the Bucs at 14. So the Broncos need to make that jump in order to get Andrew Thomas. To me, that last third-round pick would be way worth the move, and it would make sense for both sides.
2: In terms of overall value of the entire draft, (laughs) that's sort of the best-case scenario, I think, if the Broncos have to trade up, only having to go up a couple of picks, and and then you're sacrificing probably – Probably the eighty-third pick. Although you could also maybe make a deal that involves the ninety-fifth pick if you don't want any kind of premium, and and then you're set. You could you could potentially have a scenario where you move up two spots, get one of those core seven players, someone that is also a real plug-and-play guy. I mean, Andrew Thomas, you put him out there, you're starting him day one, and he's going to help you out right away. And you're still sitting there with four of the first eighty-three picks, and you can still take two of those third round picks and move back up into the second round. So you still got plenty of capital to play with.
0: So let me ask you this. We've talked about two different scenarios in the last two days. I want to ask you guys, which one is your favorite? Do you like, cause I think this is the best scenario for me today that we've covered. You got eight 52 and whatever that last third round pick is. I don't, I don't have the number in front of me. Um, 95 and that, and that in, so eight fifty-two and 95, that includes two trades. You traded with the cards to get to eight, and then you traded with the Rams to get to 52. Or do you like what we talked about yesterday, which is 15, 31, and 95? I think that's what we talked about yesterday, right? You you package two-thirds to get back yep. into the end of the first round.
1: Yep, yep, and and a second to get up there. Okay, so... Uh, a top ten pick or two first round picks.
0: Yep. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Would you rather just have eight, or would you rather have fifteen and thirty one? Man.
1: Whew, that that's that's a darn good question. I, I know what John Elway would want. The and two that's, firsts. He'd want the two firsts. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, it, and it's hard for me to not think about that because then he gets two players right there. So I think I think that's what he would want
0: there's something that would be really exciting about the Broncos. Well, I guess they're not bringing anyone in this year, but having two first round picks on that day, you know, like, like that when you're the GM, you feel really good about that. You, you ended up with, let's just say, we'll use the guy who's fallen and and whether you like him or not, you end up with Becton. And at the end of the first round, you got Denzel Mims or uh, maybe you got Jefferson. Yeah. Or maybe you got another, um uh offensive linemen and now you're just you feel like okay we just fixed the offensive line we're good to go
2: yep done i've got to say i'd rather have i'd rather have the deal that trades up a couple of picks with the 49ers and gets me 13 46 (laughs) 77 83 and actually guys i added this up in terms of of point value eight 52 and 95 is 1900 points 1531 and 95 is 1770 1346 mm. 7783 is 1970 I'm taking more picks I'm taking better overall value <laughs> There you go <laughs> there you so, go So the two
0: so the two first round picks actually had the lowest value Yes that shocks me actually Uh-huh Yeah me too Um I, yeah pr- the me one personally flaw I... Of,
2: but, but before I answer uh, before you get into that the one flaw of the draft value chart is it does not have a significant drop between pick 32 and 33 mm. because you uh, most teams are valuing that first-round pick much higher. And, there's, and for most teams, there's a significant gap in the value between 32 and 33 because of the 50-year option for pick 32. So yeah. that's the asterisk I'm going to put on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, if the Ravens didn't trade back into the first round to get Lamar Jackson – we're talking about their uh cost controlled quarterback window starting to come to an end. They probably would have to sign him up at the end of this coming year to a big time contract.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: So that there is a, a bump in value there. Um so maybe I don't know, maybe it just evens it out all instead of 17 70 is that what it was or something it moves it up to 1850 in our minds at 1850 1900 1970 all pretty close uh there in the in the chart personally I'm taking uh the the eighth overall pick because I like I said I think I can get a guy who's just a no-brainer and uh and walks in and could be a thousand yard receiver as a rookie
1: I'm doing it too you, you get elite And that's what we've talked about. If you walk away from a draft with an elite player, especially starting at 15, and especially since you still get a second and a third round pick, I'm doing that.
0: Speaking of elite, I realized that Breckenridge Brewery is is elite in a lot of ways, but where they are most elite, in my opinion, is in creating beers that you want to drink on the porch in the summer. And to me... That is the number one most important factor in any beer. Do I want to drink this on the porch in the summer? That's when beer sounds the best to me. That's when it tastes the best. That's when it goes down the smoothest. That's when it goes down the easiest. And Breckenridge, in their elite nature, just put out another elite summer beer. It is called Mountain Beach, and it is considered a session sour. So, essentially, a sour that's made for drinkability. And... It is fantastic. I, I said it's kind of like a tropical Colorado core. So if you've had the Colorado core, it's that cider. Uh, we said it's like a beer meets a cider meets champagne. It's a really interesting mm. uh, uh, combination there. This is like, it has a similar um, palette to it, I guess, but it's more, tr- it's a lot more tropical. So while Colorado core feels like a, a fall drink, this this feels like a summer drink. Mountain beach, the new, uh, the new vibe from Breckenridge Brewery. I highly recommend you guys give it a try.
1: And speaking of elite, the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscape is unbeatable, guys. I've told you about it a lot, but I need to tell you the nitty-gritties about this Lawnmower 3.0, 7,000 RPM, Quiet Stroke technology, waterproof, so you can take it wherever you want with you, and the battery lasts up to 90 minutes. It even comes with a charging stand because they know it's elite. So they want you to show it off because they know that it's just going to impress anyone. And that's exactly what the Lawnmower 3.0 does. It helps you impress anyone with your family jewels. So make sure you check out Manscaped for elite family jewels and you get 20% off if you use the code DNVR20 and free shipping. And guys, this is the time Buy. If you're on the fence, this is the time to support us the most. We have a great relationship with them and we want this to continue. So hit that code DNVR20 for 20% off, support us, and keep your family jewels looking perfect.
0: Amen. All right, let's jump into the questions from the great listeners. And before we do that, I just want to say we launched the DNVR Lounge yesterday. And if you are a member and you haven't gotten in there yet, I can't recommend it enough. It is so awesome because our community has always been really close despite you know their main gathering point just being the fact that they listen to this podcast uh and obviously in the comment section and whatnot but you know the comment section is mostly them interacting with us and what the lounge has done is break broken down that barrier from listener to listener and i think it is so so awesome that now, instead of just communication between us and them, there's communication between all, all of our listeners and all of our members and with us in, the, in there too. And, and so instead of, you know, a one-way type of thing, we've got the full, uh, the full experience going. So if you're a member, make sure you check your email. You should have an invite link to get into the DNVR Lounge. It is a members-only lounge. Um, and if you're not a member, man, if you've been a part of this community, this might be the final straw that you need to get in there because you know it's not only that you're going to be able to comment on this podcast, you're going to get access to just get in there and talk Broncos. Last night, as we're watching the 1998 Broncos do their thing, not only are we tweeting, but we're also all in there you know, talking about more of the nitty-gritty details and actually talking about it rather than just sharing thoughts. It's a conversation. So I'm really, really excited about the DNVR Lounge. Uh, and I hope everyone who has access gets in there and, and takes advantage of it. And those of you who don't, consider becoming a DNVR member just so you just so you can get in on that conversation.
1: The lounge was popping last night. It was so much fun. And it's April tenth right now. What is this going to be like when when football
2: is finally here?
1: It was. Oh, well, it is so draft month.
2: So draft month is like a regular season month in terms of interest, but I don't expect. Uh, May and June to do anything to uh, dilute the conversation regarding the Broncos in the DNVR lounge. I think it'll be still popping then too, especially with some of the stuff that uh, we're we're planning for after the draft.
0: Yeah. Going to be awesome. And and we can tell just from seeing that the Rockies chat is still mm-hmm. popping right now. So uh, get in on there and, and let's get into the questions here. First one comes in from Sir James radio. He says, continuing with the what Jersey would you own challenge? one jersey from a player on the team's current active roster. He says, "Let's just get this one over with now." The Las Vegas Raiders.
1: Oh, why you got to do this to us, Sir James Radio?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously no one here would ever want a Raiders jersey. Um I will say this, if they weren't the Raiders, I would compliment their jerseys.
1: They're... Oh, they they're so boring. No, no, it's a
2: great uniform.
1: Oh. I
0: mean,
2: everything about their uniform is splendid it just happens to be worn by the enemies of the broncos but the silver and black works well together it is a simple timeless look they they couldn't improve on that and it's and for football historians it's got a cool backstory because it's based off the old army uniforms of the 40s and early 50s except placing the gold with silver it's timeless it's classic it's beautiful
0: it it is the biggest problem with their brand is the people that wear it. Their fan yes. base is extremely trashy, which is just uh, <laughs> diluted the quality <laughs> of that brand because it is it it is a good looking uh, setup.
1: Okay. You say simple and timeless. I say boring as can be.
0: So you like that uh, Falcons gradient jersey? That's nice and not boring for you. <laughs>
1: oh, I don't know about gradient. I don't know if that's worked ever.
0: Oh my God! I can't believe that people are still trying to do gradient. <laughs> oh, it,
2: what? Did they not watch the Diamondbacks the last few years? Did they not watch the Jaguars a few years ago? When are we going to learn? Gradient doesn't work in sports.
0: Never (laughs) never once worked. Um, Okay, one Las Vegas Raiders. He says he'd go with a a home Josh Jacobs. I think that one's pretty tough to beat. Josh Jacobs is awesome. Like he mentioned, his story is pretty great. Um, He hasn't been around long enough for Broncos fans to develop a hate for him yet. So I think it's a pretty safe bet there.
1: Yep, that's where I'm going to Roll Tide.
2: I'm going with uh, Foster Moreau, who is a, a very smart guy. He's a character, had a chance to talk with him a few times at the Senior Bowl when he came out. And I'm like, okay, this is the player I like best on the roster. I don't care if he's a backup. Foster Moreau, number
0: 87. All right. <laughs> right on. That's we awesome. met him at the Senior Bowl too. He's a good guy. He,
2: he is. is. I-, I wanted the Broncos to take him because the it, I think from a media perspective, he was he's fabulous. Yep, next one coming in from Smart Boucher. and opinionated about everything. Boucher all
1: day says, what if we are looking at trading up all wrong? It makes perfect sense. Trade up, get one of the best wide receivers, and go from there. But what if they trade up to get one of the best tackles in Worf Thomas, or Wills? Ending a Garrett Bowles experiment. How disappointed would you guys be with not having a receiver? How disappointed would Con- Broncos country be? With the talk from Legwald about the Broncos adding another pick early makes getting our receivers later
2: a possibility. If they get one of those three tackles and they move up, I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't fine. be disappointed in any way, shape, or form. I'll be honest. I'm not the biggest on wills of those three, uh, but a lot of people are, so I'm not going to you know, be uh, saying it's a terrible pick or anything. He's, just, he's probably my least favorite of those three. Um, but... For me, it goes Thomas, Wurfs, Wills. If you're able to get Thomas or Wurfs, sign me up.
1: Yep, I have that, except uh, I got Wurfs in front of Thomas.
2: Yeah, Wurfs and Thomas. I think there's a little bit of a gap to Wills, but I'd be happy with any of the three. Crash to the kid who was bummed about losing the last part of his senior year. That really sucks. But let me tell you this. I was popular in high school, was even the homecoming king. I also led my basketball team to its first district championship in 36 years and made to the semifinals of state. Now. Even with all those highlights in high school, my years after were still the highlights of my life. Just know the best
0: parts of your life are just ahead. Keep your head up, go Broncos! Man, Boy. I I couldn't agree more with that entire sentiment. It seems yeah. like it seems like probably with this year um, notwithstanding, it seems like every year after high school things just keep getting better and better.
1: Yes, yes, yes. It, you'll you'll have a much better time after high school. I can tell you that.
2: Yeah, they do until 2020. This year's
0: kind of sucked. Yeah, <laughs> so far. <laughs> 28 has not been uh, kind to Zachariah.
1: <laughs> you know? Yes, that is for, that is for sure. And Crash, it sounds like we're uh, pretty privileged and honored to have you rolling with us. Yeah.
0: yeah. Pretty cool guy there. All right. From Mark IT Snatch. Hey guys, since being stuck inside while the fiance works, I've been cooking dinner much more. However, I'm starting to run out of ideas. To the whole fam, what unique recipes, without giving away any family secrets, of course, are y'all cooking? The fun one I do is bacon Brussels sprouts. Yum! Uh, quarter two pounds of Brussels sprouts and place them on a foil-covered cookie tray. Sprinkle balsamic vinegar over the top. Cover them with a layer of thick bacon and broil. Enjoy. Um, okay, mm, what do you got? That guys- sounds delicious. What mm. do you guys got for Mark? Uh, you lose me
2: at the sprouts, though. I'm the, the, the taste of Brussels sprouts. Nothing can mask it so yeah wow sorry that's, that's like a total
0: love. um uh a, a pretty popular take for your demographic mace <laughs>
2: it is yeah it, it was not brussels sprouts were not popular in my generation and like i haven't ever like brussels sprouts and celery uh no no not doing it
0: i remember my mom when i was a kid like I, if i wouldn't want to eat my broccoli like she'd be like don't act like it's brussels sprouts or something like that (laughs) and I think brussels sprouts are absolutely fantastic I might even go as far as to say they're my favorite vegetable to have alongside a meal
2: they have a weird smell too I I think that's I don't know it just it's a nightmare
1: for me so I I love brussels sprouts speaking of bacon the other part of that have you guys ever had candied bacon oh yes Yes. okay a a lot of people haven't I just thought it was a classic that Is fantastic.
2: There is a pizza place not too far from my house that actually, on its meat pizza, does candied bacon Mm -hmm. on there, and it's incredible.
0: So, to answer Mark IT Snatch's question, I'll I'll tell him what I had the other night. Um, I had some ground beef, and uh, I was craving a burger, but obviously didn't want to go to the store just to get burger buns, so I made some patty melts, and oh man okay here's what i did first you take you get the uh onions going nice low and slow slow low oh. and slow on the onions to get a nice caramelized uh little secret to help the caramelization process just a little sprinkle of sugar on there um then you make the patties the shape of the the bread that you're making get those cooking um but my my secret that i added to the end of this is instead of doing it in the pan um finishing off you know the patty melt and and whatnot i got the panini maker going so i threw the 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 uh, patties two patties with onions in between and cheese on the panini maker pressed it down so it kind of squeezes it in and uh final product was a nice juicy sweet onions and dripping cheese Mm.
1: oh that sounds fantastic oh man I'll, I'll say what I had last night. A little vegetable chickpea curry. <laughs> so delicious. There's some zucchinis, red peppers. Uh, we threw the uh, chickpeas in the air fryer a little bit, then mixed it all together with some curry, and then put it all over rice. And, of course, you got to put the, uh, some red pepper flakes on, and then also some cilantro as a
2: topping. Mm. Ooh, we did, we, we did our house... Meatballs that are comprised of four kinds of meat. So you got some beef, you got some turkey, you got some veal, you got a little bit of chicken, and then uh, cook them up in a slow cooker, let Mm -hmm. them soak in some of that uh, marinara sauce for a while. Oh, my goodness.
0: Nice. I'll say this. I'm long past my days of vegetarianism, which I did for a long Mm -hmm. time. Still can't do veal. That's the one thing Mm -hmm. that's off my list. Yeah,
2: I that's the, I can't do it by itself. Like, and I, when my wife got the veal, I'm like, you know, I don't really like this. She said, okay, just try it. I'm going to mix it with other kinds of meat in the meatballs. And then I was like, okay, fine. This is really good. I've never, But I've even never, then I'd pro- if it were my recipe, I'd probably still cut out the veal and use other meats. I've never had it. Is the taste worth it? Uh, I don't want to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way. If, if the choice is veal Parmesan or chicken Parmesan, It's chicken parm all
0: day, night, never veal parmesan. I didn't know veal
2: parm was a thing.
0: Yeah, it is, and I'll just be honest. It's it's absolutely delicious. Oh, no. (laughs) uh, But, yeah, I mean, chicken parmesan is so good that you don't need to stray away from it anyway. Chicken parm, you taste so good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Count Locula, favorite random sports figure movie cameo. Mine is the full-size Michael Jordan cutout that Kevin uses in Home Alone to help thwart the Wet Bandits. The trick here is that the quicker the cameo, the more points you earn, boys. Love the count. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, this is way too (laughs) obscure for me. Okay. I mean, you guys remember Dodgeball, right? Yes. Okay, like Lance Armstrong. If Lance Armstrong was not disgraced, that would be a good cameo. Or like Chuck
0: Norris. It, that isn't Chuck
2: Norris like a kickboxer at some point in his life or something yeah. like that?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Chuck Norris. Oh, hmm, God, but yeah, I, I ran, random cameo. What, oh. about,
1: what about Steve Atwater in uh, a specific movie?
2: He wasn't in a movie, but Ray, Ray Crockett in Dead Tone. <laughs> there uh, we go. That's, where that's I what get I get my thinking.
0: Damn. Yeah.
2: <laughs> when he's standing there as a police investigator looking at all these bodies on the floor. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, like
0: robbery was the motive <laughs> kind of like steve atwater looking at ray crockett and or no it was ray crockett was it crock or was it someone else who when steve atwater on that last play okay, or second to last play against the packers when steve just destroyed everything in sight yeah i think it was ray crockett who walks over there and he just looks like he just witnessed a murder like there's just bodies <laughs> all over the floor yes
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> maybe that's right. what inspired the scene in dead tone Maybe (laughs) Run Phil, run
1: checking in. Hey DNVR fam. I was listening to Steve Atwater interview the other day and he touched on a good point that I wanted to get your guys' opinion on. He mentioned how important it was to have a smart veteran playing center, especially with a young quarterback at the helm. As a result of this, he believes Graham Glasgow will slide into the center spot and the Broncos will target a guard in the draft. First, what do you guys think of Steve's opinion? Hmm.
0: Well, I think Steve makes a good point. My problem is that Glasgow said his favorite place is to play guard, and if I'm spending that much money on someone, I'm putting them in their favorite spot.
2: Yeah, I think Steve – yeah, I agree. Steve's got a great point on this, and you look back when the Broncos have had some young centers. For example, they had Matt Paradis as a first-year center in 2015, but his quarterback happened to be Peyton Manning. So you could have a young center with a veteran quarterback. A young quarterback ideally – You'd like to have a veteran center, but I think the key thing more importantly is to have somebody who's smart. And so they can be young and the quarterback and center can grow together, but you want someone intelligent. Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis, Peyton Manning's uh, first primary center. Uh, That's a good example of somebody who was young when he was working with Peyton Manning, when he started working with Peyton, but was smart. And the two of them kind of grew together. So I think uh, while experience matters, intelligence is a, the biggest thing, and um that's why I keep talking about Tyler Biotish a lot because his football iQ is off the charts. And not only did Graham
1: say that he's better at guard and would prefer to be there, uh, Vic also said it. So that means Mike Munchek probably is also of that that same mindset as well. So if everything's saying guard, let's stick with guard. He yeah, goes and on and says, oh sorry.
0: Oh, I was just gonna say, but Steve does make a good point there mm-hmm. that being young in the full battery there is a little bit um, concerning.
1: Without a doubt. He goes on and says, second, this leads me to ask which guy would make the best transition to guard, Beattish, Cushionberry, Ruiz, or would they more likely, likely to target a true guard? If so, who are the names we should prepare to hear? Thanks for all your
2: hard work. Run, fill, run.
0: Of those three, I would say Cushionberry has the best uh, guard potential.
2: Yeah, Cushenberry and Biotish. Biotis practiced at guard at Wisconsin. He's willing to go over there. Of those three, the one that seems the least willing to move to guard is Cesar Ruiz from Michigan. He seemed very skeptical uh, about the notion. And So, thus, if, if you're looking for guys who can be guards, uh, we can talk about a couple of guys here. There's uh, Calvin Throckmorton, a guard tackle out of Oregon. Uh, one who you're starting to hear about who can be a guard or can be a tackle is Ben Barch from St. John's College in Minnesota who who did well at the Senior Bowl, and you've seen some mock drafts tying the Broncos to him in the second or third round. The interesting thing there is the Broncos usually don't take those small school guys, so that would be going against trend for them. If yep. you're getting Beattis, Cushenberry, or Ruiz, though, that's your center, and Glasgow's fine at guard.
0: Yep, mm-hmm. totally. All right, from R.D. Dollywall. I have been on this earth for a while now and got to experience a lot of good things. Married the love of my life, the birth of my children, the Broncos, first Super Bowl, and finding this podcast. Hey. (laughs) What is something you guys do not want to experience? I'm sure there's lots. (laughs) Here are some of his that he never wants to experience. Electrocution, (laughs) migraine headaches, third-degree burns, Alzheimer's, eating a Carolina Reaper pepper, and a month ago I would have said a pandemic but it's too late for that. Fellow DNVRers, what do we call ourselves as a group? I, I I've been colloquially saying the DNV army.
1: Yes, I like that. DNV army. Mm. That rolls off
0: the tongue. Uh and he says let me hear what you guys don't want to experience.
2: Um well, I've I, experienced migraine headaches, so
0: yeah, you you don't want those but
2: Nope. Those I think are, all three of us have. Yeah, that's yeah. a walk in the park compared to some of those other things. I would not want to be a survivor of a a massive scale nuclear war. I'd just want to go right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was going, I was going a very, very, very different route. I never want my teeth bashed in and (laughs) I never want my Achilles tendons to be cut. Oh, my God. Oh, and there's one more. I never want to see the Great Tarantula migration.
0: Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) Um, I never... Hmm. I never want to eat um, blood pudding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fitting. I never... I can only think of things that I'm, I've already experienced that I don't want to do again. I never want <laughs> to live without sports.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And I never want to almost drown again.
2: Oh boy! It happened to
0: me once, and it was by far the most terrifying. Thing. That's
2: why waterboarding is considered, you know, torture by the by the Geneva Convention because it yep. simulates drowning.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was. The, yeah.
2: yeah, I I wouldn't want that. Want uh, that? One that uh, already Dolly Wall mentioned. I wouldn't want Alzheimer's or any kind of neurocognitive disorder like that.
0: Yeah, the weird thing about that is that, like you hardly even really know what's happening.
2: Eventually you don't know, but you get there's a point in time where you're diagnosed and you know. And sure. you understand and you know what you're dealing with and to know that you're not going to get better that that every day you're going to lose just a little bit and a little bit over over time um
0: yeah that's a that's I, not, not a fun thought yeah
2: and, and also oh. knowing what your family and friends are dealing with as well because i have i've read that uh, caregivers describe it as like just constant loss over time all right let's definitely yeah, that's bad <laughs> yeah let's move on <laughs> um, bleed orange blue i don't know why you guys don't like the current logo for the team i love it i believe it is clean and really one of the top 10 logos in the league I do need, think the team needs an updated uniform and style, but the current logo is the one I like the most. Any new recipes that you guys have created during this lockdown? or okay, have you tried putting any other protein source in the dishwasher?
0: <laughs> I have not. A, a patty melt in the dishwasher? Uh, no, that wouldn't work. Well.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're talking about all the juices. I feel like that would just make it juicier.
0: You just don't want to steam a bun quite to that agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the problem is the bread in that. I would say this, you could definitely do any other type of fish you want in the dishwasher. Dishwasher okay. trout, dishwasher cod. I need <laughs> to make this for you guys so you actually believe in how good it is. Well, <laughs> I'm am
2: sold on the eggs because actually uh we had we were making some cupcakes yesterday my wife was and we she had to separate the egg whites from the yolks, so we had the yolks left over. And I put them in the microwave for about 30 seconds.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I gave them to my dog because the yolks, yolks are good for a dog's coat. Mm-hmm. And
0: I had a bite myself. Great. Scrambled eggs. Fluffy. Delicious. Yep, <laughs> yep. It's, the, it's the move. Um, so. I, I, I got to find a way to make you guys some dishwasher salmon. You'll never, turn, you'll never go back. <laughs> uh,
2: that's a bold statement because I love smoked salmon. And I, don't, and I love the flavor of that. So, Do you
0: have a smoker? yes oh
1: oof um
0: yeah i need to i need to just get a grill that's one thing you know he mentioned some new recipes that we kind of shared a little bit earlier one thing i've realized is i really need a grill because one thing you don't ever expect to happen is the community grill at your apartment to be taken away <laughs> oh yeah and like the idea especially on these nice days where you can't do anything else the idea of going out on the porch and like grilling up some marinated chicken breasts or something while having a beer, listening to some John Mayer.
2: Yeah. Isn't nice.
0: there a, a stand-up George Foreman grill that kind of simulates that experience? <laughs> I don't know. So. I also just realized that my panini maker, you can flip the panini things over and turn them into a griddle.
1: Oh, I've, yeah. I mean, I've
0: literally had this thing since I was in college, and I never knew that until I, until I was like, I need to clean this thing.
1: <laughs> and I took them off,
0: and like I had done it before, but I just I like looked at it. And I'm like, "This is flat. This is, flat. <laughs> this is designed to be a griddle."
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that that's those are the things we're discovering now. Now that we have all this time on our hands.
0: Yeah. So I need something good other than pancakes that I can make on the griddle.
1: Next mm. mm. one coming in from T16.
0: French 16? toast. You can griddle French toast, right? Yes. I usually yeah. just make that in a pan, though. Okay. Does the griddle add any? I don't know. Not
2: really. I'm just figuring out ways that you can use your griddle.
0: Yeah. If you're I'm that, if you styles. are
2: anxious to use the griddle, you can always find purposes for that. You can do a uh, fried eggs on the griddle. Ooh.
1: Griddle, what a what a word. <laughs> T sixteen says, "Hey guys, I've been doing a few mocks myself, and I truly believe a wide receiver will fall to Denver at 15. But who knows when draft day comes? And the mocks in the mocks you have done." um becton has been the option at 15 if this is what happens i think best best case scenario i would think would be miami at 18 what do you think an ideal would an ideal trade would be or do you think it would be good to move back to 18 add an extra second maybe throw in one of our thirds for their early second round and 18 at 18 we could still get a good player just want to hear your thoughts thanks guys
0: it just depends on what you want because what what's going to be there at 18 it's going to be tier two wide receivers i guess would be your target so that's when you're getting mims or justin jefferson or something like that and then you added a little bit of capital to to move back to grab one of those guys
2: what if they regard some of those tier guys as their actual tier one guys
0: it's possible i i don't know why but i could see them falling in love with justin jefferson i mean he's a very reliable receiver that could be a nice addition. I just I, I can't get past the idea of just like adding pure speed and explosiveness to go along with Cortland Sutton in the way that he attacks the game.
2: I could see Brandon I, Ayuk being somebody they fall in love with. The problem is, I'm I'm afraid of taking Pac-12 guys early because this team's record with drafting Pac-12 guys is poor in the John Elway era.
0: Yeah, let's see. Garrett Bowles, that's a miss. Uh, Royce Freeman, that's a miss. Devontae Booker, that's a miss.
2: <laughs>
0: Any other ones? Um, Brock Osweiler. Yes, Brock Osweiler. That is in the Elway era. That is a miss. Mm-hmm. They do, they've done really good at finding gems out of the Pac-12. Yeah, undrafted, they're them. doing
2: great with you know C.J. Anderson and Philip Lindsay.
0: C.J. Yeah. Anderson, Philip Lindsay. Um, oh, one is escaping my mind right now. Tim Patrick, Tim Tim Patrick find out of the, out of the PAC 12, even Kalfani Muhammad's out of the PAC 12. Uh, They've done a good job of finding gems. It's just the, uh, you know, the draft guys that they're struggling with.
1: Yep. And I think that is Justin Jefferson is a name that we really need to focus on and keep an eye on, because I I believe that is a very likely candidate that they take with the trade back.
2: Oh, you know who else was a PAC 12 guy? Raheem Moore. So I
0: I want to share something about uh, Justin Jefferson that I don't think a lot of people know, which is really, really interesting to me. Um, LSU had this technology on the inside of their helmets that put a camera on the eyes of the receiver. And they used this information to uncover essentially what what guy's dominant eyes are so for example if you can discover that a a guy is right eye dominant you if you have a third and four at the end of the game that you have to convert you're going to have him run a slant from the left side so that his right eye is the one that's on the quarterback and going to be focusing on the ball well it's it's, I, know, I don't know how necessarily rare it is, but most guys don't have this, where they are neither eye dominant or both eye dominant, where the film that they had did not uncover, okay, don't go to this side because he's just not as good that way. Justin Jefferson is one of those guys who both eyes uh, are equally as dominant and he's able to uh, be trusted on routes from both sides of the field. So that was something I, I learned from a source that I found to be really, really interesting about him.
1: That is fascinating. That's good mm-hmm. versatility.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Um, moving on from Iceman. Hey, friends. RK, welcome back. But FYI, the echo in your location is odd. Yeah, uh, I posted this in the, disc, in the, uh, the DNVR lounge yesterday. Um, we just had a, uh, um, a technical issue on the sound, but it should be fixed today. I think it is fixed today. So thanks for pointing it out, Iceman. He says, as I'm listening, we're two weeks – away until the virtual draft i can't wait what direction do you see uh you three see this pod going after the draft until the august september time frame so glad i can make you guys laugh go america
1: (laughs) go america
0: um but yeah anyway sorry about the uh technical issue yesterday That, that was frustrating for me i tried my best to salvage the audio but it didn't still wasn't great um i mean this pod i don't know this pod always just trucks along i don't see any <laughs> anything changing
1: yeah i agree with that next i'm coming in from we'll pismo. Come up with
0: stuff we always P- do
1: yeah we do pismo beach bronco 07. hey guys still really hoping we move up for one of the big three wide receivers we don't ever talk about justin jefferson or why don't we ever talk about him? this guy's a real playmaker also Wondering what your thoughts on Michael Pittman jr. I've seen him in person ball out at USC and I really think he's going overlooked. When do you guys see him going? I think he was a major number one receiver potential. Speaking of guys
2: from the Pac-12. I think Uh, the one thing about Pittman is he doesn't get as much separation as I'd like. And part of that is because he doesn't, he's not in the speed class of say uh, Henry Ruggs in terms of his, uh, his game speed, especially. So I think he could be a good – I think he could do well. I'm just not sure he fits what the Broncos need right now because I feel like they've already got uh, guys who can do what Michael Pittman does.
0: Yeah, to me, he's a poor man's Cortland Sutton. And so it's not something that I think you need unless you're just trying to kind of like groom him under Cortland. But um, not the type of receiver that I think the Broncos should be going after. I agree. Mm -hmm. Triad Bronco. Hey, y'all.
2: Whatever happened to the arm pump motion to get a tractor trailer to blow his air horn. I've been a trucker going on seven years now and have only had one kid do it for something so simple. It can really be the highlight of a weary truckers day and even week. So here's a homework assignment for all the parents out there. Teach your kids this long forgotten art. It won't go unappreciated. And to answer Mr. Dollywall, I'd hate to experience being stoned to death. And on that cheering note note, i'll see myself out god bless <laughs>
1: yeah i would not like that as well and i show my daughter
2: that by the way on the highway yeah like, oh i a truck in part because like you said triad bronco i've heard from other truckers that say they really love it when the kids do that
1: i had no idea that the truckers like i love doing that yeah. when i was a kid i would do it all the time
0: <laughs> yeah i mean if you think about it, if you can imagine it i'm sure triad bronco can speak to this like you know, you're stuck in a truck all day driving coast to coast or whatever through state lines, and you don't get to interact with real people that much. So just the, you know, seeing a little kid putting the smile on their face, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. feels really good. Yeah, it's the, it's the human connections that we're all looking for right now. Absolutely. Uh, before we move on, a shout out to Denver Rubber Company, tried and true since 1972, the most reliable partner for all of your long-term projects custom die cut gaskets, molded rubber, custom contract manufacturing, custom hoses. If it involves rubber, Denver Rubber Company is your place to go. Hit them up at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them on the web at drcfirst.com.
1: Next one coming in from Jimmy Balls. Hey, guys. Over the last few days, I've changed my hopes for how the Broncos approach the first round and wanted to hear what you think. Before, I was dead set on a wide receiver, even willing to trade up for one if need be. I then heard on the Locked On Draft podcast that the second wide receiver in Schirmer's offense averages about 40 catches a year. Hearing this led me to do a ton of further research, and I came away with new conclusions. I get the excitement of getting one of the top three wide receivers, and I know that 40 catches doesn't speak to the full value of what one of them could do in the offense. I know speed opposite of Sutton would open up targets for him and Fant, but speed can also be found on day two in guys like A. U. Krieger, Visca, etc. Now... My preference would be to get a tackle or trade back for a linebacker, but ultimately I want us to go best player available. So if that best player available is a wide receiver, then that's great. I just don't think it's wise to trade up though. There's so much optimism surrounding this team. We're still reloading this roster and can use the depth that day two picks provide. Sorry for the long comment. And thank you for such consistently great coverage.
0: I think it's an interesting point. And um, I think, that there's something to be said for the second wide receiver argument for me I'm trying to build and I think the Broncos are trying to build an offensive juggernaut and if you're going to do that you need at least two really good receivers and we can throw in Noah Fant as a third um, if you're not going to have three really good receivers but I think you need that and you know I I think there's a element to this that a lot of people aren't talking about because it's like it's kind of a bird bird in the hand is better than two in the bush it's it would be okay for Cortland sutton to be the second best wide receiver on this team be great it would be great so everyone is kind of thinking of it as a second wide receiver and personally depending on who you get like you know the my guy is judy to me you get judy he's your number one wide receiver and Cortland sutton is now a guy who, while he has certainly worked on his routes and added to the tree a little bit, you can use him for what he does best. He does best jump balls. He does great using his body to get in front of guys on slants. He can, you know, back shoulder fades. Those type of things are really, really valuable. Um, And you're not going to ask him to be doing, you know, things that uh, aren't quite his strength. Where a guy like Jerry Judy, he's got the whole tree in his pocket right now. And he's, he's a master of everything. Now you've got a number one wide receiver and Cortland Sutton goes back to being more of a weapon. That's totally okay with me.
2: And what's wrong with having uh, you know too many weapons? We were watching that Broncos 1998 game last night against the Chiefs. And one of the things that uh, gave you confidence that Broncos could just move up and down the field at will was the fact that you had Ed McCaffrey, who could have been a wide receiver one on a, a lot of teams, who was your wide receiver two, Rod Smith, Shannon Sharp, Trell Davis, it was pick your poison. I like the idea of creating a pick your poison attack where you have Noah Fant who can uh, beat you down the seam and can win a game for you if you need him to and Cortland Sutton and a top level wide receiver, maybe someone you call wide receiver one on the other side and then whether it's Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay in the backfield, either one of those guys uh, can be somebody that you you have to account for. So, more weaponry, uh, more problems for the defense, and more options for Drew Locke. He can kind of just take the first read, the first open guy, and go. It helps him develop.
0: Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot, a lot there. But I do I can understand the uh, the the plan that takes a tackle at 15 and gets a guy like uh brandon iuk in the second round i really like brandon iuk uh, i also really like um uh laviska obviously um not exactly speed guys but that is more of those weapon type guys where you keep Cortland sutton as your number one wide receiver i've just been thinking along the lines of get yourself a number one now uh ruggs is is interesting too because he is more of a I'm not going to call him a gadget player because I think that discounts him he's more of a weapon style player you're trying to score touchdowns with him not not first downs if you know what I'm saying Um, so that keeps Cortland to me as your number one wide receiver whereas rugs you know running all over the field wearing out defensive backs all day.
1: And I think you guys would agree with this CD falls in the same conversation as Jerry Judy in terms of being your number one guy. And just think about this. There's nothing wrong with Cortland being your two. Imagine getting a true elite number one receiver, or at least that's what Judy um, or CD turn into. And then Cortland is the best second wide receiver in the game.
0: Yeah. There's just, there's one person I can think of who might have an issue with Cortland being the number two wide receiver. (laughs) Emmanuel. Uh, Cortland.
2: Oh, okay. Cortland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Funny you mentioned Emmanuel because Emmanuel had a little bit of an influence on Cortland. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> what a shame that super, was.
2: <laughs> yeah, super Superbowling. I heard an interesting point the other day. How does the NCAA spring season being canceled along with influential stakeholders voicing their concerns about having a full football season impact the amount of players in the supplemental draft?
0: So you're talking about an idea of at some point after the draft, it comes down that the, there won't be a college football season and then a bunch of guys jump into the supplemental draft?
2: Yes, that's, I think, what's, uh, being, what's being said here. Well, you already have be, some schools, like Mississippi's already canceled everything athletically until August 1st.
0: I wow. think they would. the NFL would have to come up with some sort of solution to this rather than just a, a traditional supplemental draft.
2: Yeah, I agree. And maybe something you know, back in the USFL days, they had a USFL supplemental draft, but it operated under different rules. And if this is the case, maybe maybe they, they can they come up with something or maybe just, they just simply say, okay, the supplemental draft is we we're, we're gonna decide who's in on a case by case basis. They used to call coming out early from college declaring hardship because Sometimes you had some kind of hardship, like you needed your family, needed the money and that sort of thing. And so maybe it's a situation where on a case-by-case basis, they decide who can be in the supplemental draft and who has to wait for the draft next April.
1: Yeah, I agree. There'd have to be something. That would be very interesting, though. Dan, hashtag trade up for rugs. Burke says, hey, guys, Mike Kliss was on the radio yesterday and Stokely asked him what he thought about the Broncos or what the Broncos are doing in the first round. Cliss said he thinks they'll trade down to the early 20s, pick up an extra second rounder, and then take Denzel Mims, then trade up from that second to the late 20s, and take A.J. Terrell. Would that make, what would y'all make of that first round haul? Cliss has been stressing all week that the Broncos want to add another pick between 15 and 46,
2: so that would be one way of doing it. I think it's a bit high for Terrell, personally.
0: I completely agree.
2: He's a he's he's a mid-second rounder. Now, if if you're standing pat in the second round, I think that's a guy you love that he would be fine taking among other cornerback options. I mean, they might prefer Terrell. I prefer a Jeff Gladney or Price Hall, but uh, it's just you know different strokes for different folks. But in this in the late first round, I'd be a little disappointed with that.
0: Yeah, uh, we're doing a mock draft in the DNVR Madden League right now in the chat. And uh, I'm selecting for the Eagles and I'm picking in the late second round with the Eagles and, and AJ Terrell is still on the board. So um, obviously it's just one thing, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I, I, I actually hate that scenario uh, with a passion. Yeah. I don't like moving <laughs> fired into, into the first. sun. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: it, You know, you're getting too, good getting two good players with two first round picks that that doesn't um that doesn't really excite me
1: yeah i agree the excitement factor is definitely not there
0: all right from thick fangio for the person asking about sunday ticket find you a college student preferably one that doesn't watch football and use them as a pawn for your football debauchery (laughs) (laughs) with a student account you can get the sunday ticket without direct tv for 25 dollars a month for four months wow This gives you all out of market games. So if you live in Colorado, you won't be able to watch the Broncos this way. Also can't watch primetime games. You can only be signed in at one location at a time, which is why it's better to use a non-football student because it becomes problematic when your teams play at the same time. For the love of God, sign out of your Xbox when you're done or else next week when you try to watch on your phone because you're out and about, it's not going to let you on. Speaking from experience here. Sorry for the long comment. Just trying to put out as much info as I can. I'll give you a short question. What is your favorite sauce, and why is it sriracha? Love you guys. (laughs) Stay thick. Uh, She is absolutely
2: right about the whole thing of signing out because I have DirecTV here at the house, and I have Sunday Ticket, but my mom back in Florida watches Red Zone on her iPad every Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I'm at a stadium, so I don't need Sunday ticket. But then, there are, then we get to those rare Sundays where the Broncos aren't playing on a Sunday afternoon. And I have to remember that she's probably still signed in and I can't sign in. So it does get a little bit chaotic. So yes, if you do that, always remember to sign out because of the one login policy that they have.
1: <laughs>
2: well, $25 a month for that is an insane deal. Oh, that's yeah, tremendous. Is. If you can pull that off and find some uh, some college student to help you
0: out, absolutely. Uh, I'll just say, without saying it, there is a way to watch whatever game you want
1: <laughs> if you want to watch
0: a game. <laughs> um, it's true. If you uh, want to infect your computer with viruses, go right ahead. <laughs> eh. I mean, let me just say this. Uh, someone I know very closely has been streaming games uh, on their computer since college and he has never gotten any, uh, infections or viruses. So just, just <laughs> someone I know one? really well.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, someone you see in the mirror every day, perhaps.
0: Uh, maybe.
2: Um, <laughs> even during, even during this uh, shelter in place <laughs> period. It, look, once you had the virus happen to you, like it happened to me back in 09, that's it. You, you can't, you can't go down that road again. Once bitten, twice shy.
0: Well, I think we have other we have bigger viruses to worry about at this point. Um, okay. Oh, by the way, favorite sauce? Uh
2: secret stadium sauce from uh Milwaukee Brewers games. That's mine. What is that? It's basically RB sauce with a little extra kick. And you, okay. you it was designed for Bratwurst, but you I've used it. I have I've grilled chicken and I dip it I dip the chicken in this sauce. I've used it on sandwiches. It's a tremendous all-around sauce.
1: That All right. sounds sounds delicious. I'm going hot sauce. I'm going Valentina.
0: Mm, a lot of big Valentina fans out there. I think Valentina, there's a time and a place for it. Uh, I don't think it's a great all-around sauce. Just my personal <laughs> beliefs. Um, so what I, is that
1: great all-around sauce?
0: Yeah, Marie Sharp's. Marie Sharp's hot sauce. It's Belizean uh, habanero-based hot sauce. It is incredible. So much flavor, so bright, so in your face. It's great. Spicy. Yeah, it's pretty spicy. Well, I get one that's called comatose level.
1: Oh, Um, my gosh.
0: But, you know, if you want to just go the uh, original green label, that's good, too.
1: Oh, comatose. Oh my gosh. Next one coming in from World of Suck. Hey there, DNVR crew. Is there a world in which LaVisca is actually more valuable because of the pandemic? My thinking here is that if the entire 2020 season winds up being canceled, LaVisca will have an entire year to get his body healthier than it has been in years past. Maybe he can finally get him clear himself of all those
2: nagging injury problems that have bugged him for years. World of Suck, your views intrigue me, and I wish
0: to subscribe to your newsletter. Um, <laughs> I think that your question fits your name very, very well. That is <laughs> indeed a world of suck. But uh, LaVisca, Silver lining is one, one of the few people that might benefit from such a terrible thing happening.
1: But not his draft status because he'll already be drafted.
0: Right, but he does become, um, you know, he, you get to redshirt him yep. without losing anything. Except for tons of money uh, (laughs) and jobs and all sorts of other terrible things, happiness, yeah,
1: global happiness.
0: Uh, Well, we've
2: already lost a league today.
1: Yep, football
2: league. Uh The XFL has suspended operations and laid off
0: all staff. I mean, any anyone and anything who was trying to start something right before this happened just in big trouble you know um yeah unfortunately luckily for us we we didn't have to um uh, you know start the bar out of pocket or else we we would have been in big trouble in that scenario too so i i really feel you know small businesses all over the world are greatly impacted by this i really feel for the person who had a dream of starting this thing and started it up and you know had it taken yeah. away from them just you know, weeks, months, whatever it was after they got it started. And the XFL is a perfect example of just the fact that if you weren't going strong before this, uh, you're in a lot of trouble right now. Now, yeah. what's
2: interesting is that Vince McMahon was on the teleconference with the president last weekend. And you wonder if maybe something, even though you have the public pronouncements of optimism, that maybe. Through that teleconference, he learned that perhaps you might have been looking at a 2021 season without fans in the stands if you were going to play. And in that case, he just said, heck with it. Or maybe a 2021 where you had the NFL with a delayed start playing into February and March. Or as we've discussed the possibility of this happening, college football having a spring season. And maybe he became aware of these things and that led to the move too
0: yeah uh all I know, if all I know is if they can get a season on the field, that's all I care about. Yeah. I uh, agree. from LDJ, man, Klisson, this 1546 thing is really bothering me. The only thing that makes sense is for a top four tackle, or if the top four tackles and top three receivers are all gone, then then we should trade down. I don't want to trade up unless we can get Okuda or Simmons, and that's not happening. I mean, the only thing I feel good about is this: I'd give away two thirds and a fourth for the 34 first from the 49ers or all thirds and a fourth for both a fifth and the 13th pick from the 49ers i'm willing to give up a third next year if necessary but bottom line we need four picks in the top 100 we can't give up so many picks that we only get three this 1546 thing makes me so nervous man i don't know what are you guys comfortable doing well we talked a lot about that in the first segment
1: Mm -hmm. yeah exactly Next one coming in from B. Wilcox. I'd be interested in a refresher on Shermer's offensive scheme and Fangio's defensive scheme and what they're looking for out of each position, then highlighting a couple of guys in the draft that would be good fits.
0: Well, let me just start Talk by the saying – Podcast for next week. <laughs> yeah. and, and I was going to say, if you can't wait for next week, uh, go check out Andre's film room. Just type in Bronco's film room Shermer into the search bar on the DN- dnvr.com. Andre has broken down exactly what he likes to do in great detail.
2: It's masterful. The Danimal. Good morning, everyone, or afternoon, if you're on the Lesser Coast with me. I've got a question for you regarding a comment Mace made a few times about how his ideal stadium plan would be to move it out near the airport. I read reports last year that Elish Gardens may be on its deathbed financially. As much as I love Elishes, you can't deny it doesn't get nearly the business it used to. I heard the city's plan was to eventually remove the amusement park and create an entertainment district with hotels and bars to support the Pepsi Center and Mile High. Have you guys heard any more talk about this? Personally, this is my favorite idea. If you plan to move the stadium, bump it across the river near the Pepsi Center and use the new land to build districts supporting it. Or leave the stadium in place and use the Elix Real Estate in area south of the stadium to build an entertainment and hotel district to support it and add public transport to help traffic and make it easier for those of us that walk to the games. Any thoughts or info on this plan you can share with us? Appreciate you three and everyone in the community making these pods fun. Danimal. Well,
1: so- i think the, inter, the 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 plans have changed in terms of how this corresponds uh, with the Broncos stadium because they're actually kind of building their own entertainment district right around the stadium itself. So I don't think that there would be uh, a lot of connection between what Elitch Gardens is
2: right now and
1: the Broncos stadium.
2: Yeah, so what and, I've yeah, heard and, and and what you've got there also you have two light rail stops that that access the stadium anyway. So that the stadium is actually pretty well positioned as it is if they build up around it.
0: So what I've heard is that they want to build residential where Elitches is um, and then build the, the entertainment district obviously um, on the South side of mile high. Um, that's at least the most recent thing I heard. Obviously the Broncos are for sure moving forward with that plan to build an entertainment district on the South side of the stadium, which it desperately needs in my opinion. Um, yes.
2: The question is, can can they attract enough people on non game days to justify this? Because one of the things that you see with some of these mixed use developments popping up around stadiums, uh, they tend to be more with baseball and with arenas. So you have a greater frequency of events uh, than football, only having the ten games. And that's the skepticism I've always had about this. They're going to have to have something be a part of this that gets people down there more than just 10 days a year.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it this way though, Mace, like, and you know, I've lived there up uh, in the highlands when you live, when you you know, when you're especially on the South side of the highlands or even the Southwest side of the highlands, it's a long way to get to where the bars and restaurants are in the highland area. So if you're living up, you know, kind of uh, by federal especially closer to the stadium and there's a great little entertainment district, you know, three or four blocks away from where you live. I'm sure that's something that you would want to frequent.
2: I'm sure it's just, I don't, is that enough of a market to justify it? That's with other options available, like, you know, bar, bar areas in low high and in highland and highlands. And that's, that's yeah. kind of the skepticism I have about it. I think one thing, um, in Atlanta now they have something like this around where the Braves play at uh, Truist Park. But they all – part of the development involved building a theater for like a 3,000-seat theater that attracts concerts and stuff. So you didn't just have the baseball stadium. You had something else that was attracting events that brought people in on another on other nights. So for the Broncos developing this, I would encourage them to think of something like that, like, like building another venue or even – or maybe even a uh, – a a smaller stadium I mean actually in my dream world the Broncos would also own the Rapids and you'd have a 20,000 seat stadium right there where that mini mile high is and then you'd have no trouble with having enough events over the course of the year drawing people down there
0: I'll tell you what'll bring people there and, and this could actually happen in a scenario when the Broncos build that stadium district they come to little old DNVR and ask them to open up a DNVR bar in there
1: hey that would be
2: dope
0: I could see it. I can see that uh, the, the path to that existence.
2: But All what right. if, the, but if the residential part that they build over at Elix is, is mixed use and you've got, say, bars and stuff on the lower level of those uh, high-rises they'd be building, then you could have the, a DMVR bar over by Pepsi Center too.
0: Mm, DMVR it. bar on every corner. It'll
2: be like Starbucks eventually. So we, <laughs> so we need one by Pepsi, we need one by the stadium, then we need one over in Lodo by Coors Field.
0: And then of course we the go. OG location on Colfax. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one comes in from Pig Tosser sixty six. Yes. First off, for Az Four Broncos yesterday's comment. I got rid of my DirecTV two years ago because I saw that you could purchase NFL Sunday ticket as a streaming app separately from DirecTV. So do you, you do not have DirecTV to get the ticket any longer. Have to have DirecTV to get the ticket any longer. Go check it out. Quick question for you, fellas. One, what is the highest you see the Broncos being able to draft a quarterback and still not threaten Drew in 2020? I'm all in on Drew and think he's going to be great. But if there's From or someone in late round three, early round four, do you take him? Thanks for holding it down right now, boys. Crushing it as usual.
2: Round four, day three. That's the earliest you can take him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not touching any quarterback before then. But I, I think if you take a quarterback in round one, which I don't see happening at all, then obviously there's competition. I think even in the second and third round, at least this year, there's not much competition for Drew. I don't see a scenario where the Broncos take a quarterback in the
2: second round though. What if Tua was there at fifteen? Okay,
0: that's that's ah. what I wanted to ask you guys, because there's a scenario that could play out here, especially if these bad you know, these bad reports keep going out about Tua, but it only took one day for a great report to come out about Tua yesterday as I think Trent Dilfer put on a throwing camp type of thing that was recorded and sent, and he was yeah, away. not a hell of a lot of social distancing there. Yeah, well, as we're seeing on most players' Instagram, they're all working out with their friends. Um, anyways, let's just say in this world that I don't think exists, but we can play. Tua is there at fifteen. The Broncos or really any other team in the middle of the first round that has a quarterback that they really like right now has this interesting luxury where they could take Tua, sit him down for the whole year, just tell him for, right off the bat you don't have to play this year, rehab him, train him, and then trade him. And let's. And, and, and the other option, of course, is to you decide he's better than Drew in this scenario and you start him and then you trade drew lock who also would have very high value. Is there any world in which you like this plan?
1: I love it. I love it. I laid this out in the round table that we put out about a month ago. And I think it's fantastic because you're picking at 15 and you would have an opportunity to flip either drew or Tua for, a, I, I, I believe you would for much Better value than the 15th overall pick. And look, the Broncos aren't ready to win the Super Bowl this year. So I think it's a move that you can do. And man, I, and then you find out it, you, right when you draft to it, John Elway comes out that night and says, He's redshirting. He's going to be on the IR this entire year. We're going to get him 100% right. Then the entire year is about Drew. Is Drew your guy? If Drew's your guy, then you come out and say, Look at, at next year. You say Tua is as healthy as can be, and you can you can trade him for for something great. Uh, now let's say Drew's not the guy. Well, then you just got a you know top five pick at quarterback for the fifteenth overall pick.
2: It's a- while I am a trade the surplus guy, if you have it, and while I think we all love a good quarterback debate, I mean this would if this happened, but. Y- what we're talking about for the next year is sealed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Our jobs are
2: very easy, but I am more inclined if Chua is there 15 and there is interest in the back half of the first round from teams there, I'm inclined to get on the phone and see what a team would do to move up for that spot.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I am too, but I, lo- I, I, there is a little part of me just cause I'm here for the chaos. <laughs> that likes the idea of bringing them in and just having the rest of the league on a string. You know, yes. next year when the quarterback class um, is very top-heavy, let's say you have four teams who need a quarterback. Well, you've got Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. And after that, those other teams, they might be picking third and fourth and you can flip Tua for the third overall pick in the draft and get the single best player available that isn't a quarterback, Whew. that is a long-term plan. It is playing chess instead of checkers. There's, some, there's one part of this that could be an absolute disaster, which is Tua actually is really hurt and can never come back, and you just completely lit a first-round pick on fire. But <laughs> if, if you're able to play chess here, and then finesse the team with a third overall pick next year into giving it to you for, for Tua. You, then you basically just traded the 15th overall pick in this draft for the third overall pick in the next draft. That's, uh, that's, that's high-quality GMing.
1: Talk about a huge insurance policy for John Elway, too, just to have in his back pocket, oh, you know what, Drew's not the guy that, that we really hoped he was. Okay, here's a, a, a top-five pick at quarterback. Let's try him out.
0: Yeah, and if you're doing this plan, you might as well draft Lavisca in the second round while you're at it. Absolutely, no maybe then not to. maybe
2: then you're gambling on a uh, no season in 2020. Although I hate to think about that, and I do think I think there will be a season this year. I, I want to make that clear. It may not have fans,
0: but I think there will be a season. Yeah, I think I, I I'm with you. I think they're going to find a way to play football. Yep. Um, but man, that is a that is a 3D <laughs> chess type of move. Yeah. Um, I just. I don't think John LA has it in him to no,
1: no the way. draft
0: to draft for twenty twenty-one no. and
1: twenty twenty. <laughs> no.
2: That would be so wild though. <laughs> then who are, who are Broncos fans buying jerseys of? Locke or Tua? Gotta wait.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, I can hear the promos on radio <laughs>
2: <laughs> Oh, if that happened, it's Chris it's it's ten Christmases rolled into one for a certain group of fans.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, for everyone, honestly, it would be extremely yeah, for us compelling. Too. It would extremely be amazing. Compelling. Well, I think that's a fun uh, note to end the week on. And if you need a fun note to end your week on, hit up Davidson's to get anything you might need, whether it's whiskey, wine, uh, beer, Breckenridge Brews, the new mountain beach, whatever it is, Davidson's has you covered. They've got pickup. They've got delivery options. You hit them up. Tell them what you need. Figure out how how you want to get it. And Davidson's will have you hooked up. But I think that was a really, a really great conversation to finish the week on, boys. So uh, hats off to you, too. And uh, I'll talk to you on Monday.